0: This is 15-Minute History, a podcast for educators, students, and history buffs featuring the minds and talents of the University of Texas at Austin. 15-Minute History is a partnership of Not Even Past and Hemispheres in the College of Liberal Arts at UT Austin.
1: Hi, I'm Joan Neuberger, editor of Not Even Past and your host for this episode of 15-Minute History. Today, our guest is Michelle Denary. Hi, Michelle. Hi. Michelle's a PhD student in the Department of History at UT Austin, and she studies indigenous peoples in the west and southwest of the U.S. Uh, And today, our subject is Colonial New Mexico and the Pueblo Revolt of 1680. Around the same time that the British were establishing colonies on the eastern seaboard of North America, Spain was colonizing what today is the U.S. West and Southwest. And today we're gonna talk about how the Spanish colonial authorities interacted with the indigenous people who lived here first. So Michelle, if you could start by giving us a sense of sort of the main outline of colonial relations in New Mexico, when the Spanish got here and sort of what they had to deal with.
0: Absolutely, so in 1598, The Spanish moved north into New Mexico from the rest of Mexico. Here, they were very isolated and remote from the rest of the empire and therefore had to adapt to the cultural expectations of the Pueblo people in order to successfully remain in the area.
1: And who were the Pueblo people?
0: They were diverse peoples who lived in the New Mexico region, the Rio Grande Valley, and they were named pueblos by the Spanish because they all lived in similar adobe-style housing. And even though they wouldn't have necessarily seen themselves as the same people at this time,
1: the Spanish kind of grouped them and called them pueblos. And are you saying that there was more interaction and exchange between colonial authorities and the peoples living here Were these dynamics unique to this region, or were they reflected elsewhere?
0: Yes. So I think that sometimes when we think about colonial relations, it's tempting to think about them as inevitable, as in European powers came in and dominated the people. However, this is not the case in colonial New Mexico. And New Mexico is not the only place that this happens. Another example of a place where indigenous people asserted more um, power and interaction with European powers was in the Arkansas Valley. And one group, the Quapas, is an example of this. And they actually had to interact with differing powers coming through all the time. So whether that be French, Spanish, British, American, or other indigenous people. And what they saw was that whatever power was coming through at the time, they had to really adapt to the Quapas' understanding of reciprocity. And what I mean by that, and this will come up again in New Mexico, is the idea that if someone gives you something, you must give that back or else you're indebted to them. So if the Quapas are being hospitable or helpful to say the French, it is important that the French reciprocate something and give them something like new technology or monetary gift or something of that nature. So in that way, They were really able to assert power because even though this wasn't a European cultural practice, Europeans understood and knew that they had to engage in this in order to survive in the area. And you see this in New Mexico as well. So how did this work out in
1: New Mexico?
0: So in New Mexico, it's important to think about what situation the Spanish were entering. Now in 1598, They enter New Mexico and they are vastly outnumbered. There are about 80,000 Pueblo people in Mexico at the time and only 560 settlers and 10 Franciscan friars. So what they had to do was truly respect the Pueblo people and offer something useful to them. And they did that in bringing new crops. The Pueblos had used corn as their staple crop, but the Spanish brought in wheat. The Spanish brought in new livestock, such as sheep for wool and meat, or donkeys that were used for transportation. They brought in axes and hoes to use for agriculture, and they brought in new technology to use for building adobe homes. So even though the Spanish were outnumbered, they did bring a lot of useful
1: technology for the Pueblo people. And how did the, um, how did the Pueblo people react? Did they embrace the new technology? Did they resist Um, Spanish colonial power.
0: They openly uh, adapted
1: to these new technologies
0: because they did make their lives easier. One um, kind of area that we can think about that shows how gift giving was a little bit more complicated is the gift of religion and religious knowledge. Now, when the friars brought in Christianity to the Pueblos, the Pueblos ended up taking what was useful or adaptable for them and really believed that Christianity held like a sort of religious knowledge and power, and used that and incorporated it into their pre existing beliefs. And missionaries were aware of this and used this as a strategy for conversion. Now, when things were going well in New Mexico, the Pueblos were happy with Christianity, but once, you know, there were droughts, famines, and things of that nature, the Pueblo people started questioning that religion. So it was kind of a real mixed bag for them. It could Christianity could be positive, but it could be negative too.
1: And what ways were the Spanish then reliant on the Pueblo people?
0: In a lot of interesting ways actually. One way was that they were completely reliant on the Pueblo people for tributes of corn. And this kind of made problems later because the Spanish didn't account for years where there was less rainfall. And also, the Spanish settlers depended on the Pueblos for medical care. This was another thing that was really important. In these Spanish communities, if you were sick, the person you would go to for medical care would have been the Franciscan friars, solely on the basis that they were the most educated people in the community. However, these friars were practicing things like bloodletting that just weren't useful or helpful to the Spanish. So what they ended up doing, in most accounts, was going to native healers and using healing plants that the Pueblos would have used themselves. And that was really the preferred choice of medical care. So, I mean, just really on the ground, the Spanish are relying on the Pueblos for their livelihood.
1: So those are some examples of cultural knowledge that the Pueblos shared with the Spanish. Were there others?
0: One other example of cultural knowledge that the Pueblos gave to the Spanish was how to build homes that accommodate the New Mexico environment. Pueblo people are familiar with the climate and the region. So they had to show the Spanish how to correctly build houses. And interestingly enough, in traditional Pueblo culture, women were actually the house builders. And that really diverged from Spanish society where that would have been seen as more masculine labor. So it was the house building techniques of women that really came together with some of um, the Spanish people's own technologies and building adobe to build better homes. So that's actually an example of coming together of both of these cultures.
1: So there are lots of examples of uh, reciprocity and, and exchange between the Spanish colonizers and the Pueblo peoples. There must have been conflicts too. How did this useful exchange break down into conflict?
0: Conflict between the Pueblos and the Spanish started very early on. When the Spanish entered New Mexico under the leadership of Governor Juan de Oñate, they're actually met with a great deal of violence. 13 Spanish soldiers were killed, and as punishment for what had happened at the Acoma Pueblo, the Spanish actually really brutally punished the Pueblos. They took every man in the Acoma Pueblo and cut off their foot. This is something that really stuck in the cultural memory of the Pueblo people because recently when a statue was put up to commemorate Oñate and New Mexico's Spanish heritage as an act of resistance, the statue was vandalized, having one of its foot cut off to kind of show that we should maybe and question whether we should be honoring someone who
1: mutilated a lot of Pueblo people. So, the initial conquest um, was accompanied with a lot of violence. Um, Did the conflicts continue throughout the 16th century, 17th century? So, throughout the 17th century, as I had noted, there
0: was a lot of cultural exchange that kind of created a lot more harmony in the community. However, things started to deteriorate around the 1660s. And one of the ways conflict deteriorated was actually conflict between the Spanish and the Franciscans themselves. Now, the Spanish and the Franciscans kind of offered two realms of leadership for the Pueblo people, military and religious leadership. So they were authorities that the Pueblos did look up to because they kind of assumed these leadership positions that the Pueblos already had. Therefore, once they started conflicting with each other, it really made the Pueblos start to question Spanish authority and whether or not they were wise leaders if they were themselves bickering. Also, at this time, you see a lot of other outside influences that lead to a deterioration in society. One is famine, brought on by droughts in the 1660s. Because famine had substantially weakened the population, it led um, for disease to spread easily. In 1671, there are a huge amount of epidemics spreading throughout these communities. So both of these things lead to a population decrease. And this coupled with the Spanish practice of consolidating the Pueblos, which means that they would take these numerous communities and reorganize them. It was a very tumultuous time with a lot of change. So all of these things were happening. And also, as another outside pressure, Apache and Navajos, which were outside native groups in the area, increased their raids of Pueblos in the 1670s. And this caused some Pueblo people to have to abandon their communities. So at this time, you see a real deterioration of um, the social order. And this leads the Pueblo people to go back to their own native religion. At this time, the friars are getting a lot stricter and are trying to crack down on any revival of the Pueblo religion. But because the Pueblo see that the Spanish have brought on all these bad occurrences in their community, they're more apt to go back to their religion. And this creates a real conflict between friars who are trying to assert a lot of control over the communities, and Pueblo religious leaders who are trying to revive balance in their communities by bringing back their previous religious beliefs. Uh, What provoked the Pueblo Revolt
1: of 1680?
0: So all of these conditions kind of boil over and lead people to be incredibly unhappy with Spanish leadership. At this time a pueblo named Pope emerges as a real leader in these communities. He is a religious leader who's able to kind of excite and mobilize people. And as I had mentioned before, the pueblos didn't necessarily see themselves as one people, but united over their joint desire to expel the Spanish. They were even able to unite with some Apaches and Navajos who had you know, previously been their adversaries, but agreed on the premise of wanting to rebel against the Spanish.
1: So what was the Pueblo Revolt of 1680? What happened?
0: So in 1680, the Pueblos secretly organized a revolt against the Spanish. And they did this by sending two runners throughout the Pueblos who took a rope with knots tied in it to signify how many days till the oncoming revolt. The Spanish actually captured these messengers and knew it was going to happen before it happened, but just couldn't accept or even believe that the Pueblos would rebel against them. So in this secret way, um, messengers were able to communicate that a rebellion would happen. Of course, not every one of the Pueblo people agreed on this, but a great deal did. And they ended up pushing the Spanish out of New Mexico and they had to leave and they had to stay in what is now like El Paso, They stay there until 1692.
1: So the Spanish were pushed completely out of this region back to what today is Texas. Is that right? Yes. And uh, how does all of this prompt us to rethink colonial relations and colonial America?
0: I believe this episode shows us that the Spanish had to adapt to Pueblo expectations by bringing in cultural knowledge and beneficial technologies And while this was going well for the Pueblos at a certain time, once it started to be negatively affecting their communities, the Spanish were no longer deemed a positive presence in in these communities and were expelled. So I think it really shows that the Pueblos really had the power in this area, and it wasn't a matter of the Spanish coming in and dominating they were only able to stay and remain in the area as long
1: as they were useful and respecting of Pueblo cultural expectations. What accounts for Pueblo power in this region? Why were they able to expel the Spanish?
0: Well, if you think about it, the Spanish are very far and remote away from the rest of the empire. To even contact Mexico City, it could take a year and that would be the best scenario. They would send caravans yearly, just once a year, up to New Mexico. And sometimes they wouldn't even reach it. So they're really on their own there. And they're vastly outnumbered by the Pueblo people in a region that they don't know. So it's it's very easy to see that they are vulnerable here. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. You can find a transcript of this episode, along with supplemental documents, suggestions for further reading, and correlations to this Texas and National Educational Standards for History and Geography on our website, blogs.utexas.edu backslash 15-minute history. That's the numerals 1-5-minute history. You can also find a link to suggest topics for upcoming episodes. The University of Texas at Austin is a free speech campus. Opinions and viewpoints expressed in episodes of 15-minute history do not represent the official position of the University of Texas or of any of its colleges or departments. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.